Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse Pam McMillan. Hey Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Pam. How are you? I'm good. Have you read any good books lately? You know, I have to admit, um, and our listeners will probably laugh, um, it's been a bit. It has been a little while since I've read a good book. How about you? Uh, Well, I'm not an avid reader, but I think today's um, guest has a book that she could write herself that would be very interesting, Um, but I'm really excited to hear her story. How about you? Absolutely. You know, um, when our paths crossed several years ago, and we'll talk about this, that in just a little bit, but I I remember thinking, this is the coolest, most unique, um, craziest story you just can't make up. And, uh, you know, when we started our podcast, we knew we had to have um, Holly Easley on our podcast. And so uh, we are thrilled today to be joined by uh, Holly all the way from Hereford. Holly, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. You know, we really uh, appreciate you coming on and and, uh, going through your story and what a story it is, right? Yes. (laughs) It's been a journey. (laughs) Holly, let's um, start off back 14 years ago when you got the news that you had cancer. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what kind of cancer you had and how you were feeling the emotions that you went through um, that day? It It is a very emotional experience to find out that you have it. What I had was myelodysplastic syndrome, and uh, I had just had a new grandson come on the scene. He was six months old and life was good. And, and it was a very scary thing. Mm -hmm. It was a very scary thing, but, uh, somehow you learn to have hope and, uh, think that you're going to get over it. You Mm -hmm. just, you know, and when you go see the doctors, they give you hope and you know, you're going to have treatment and, uh, that anything is possible. But at first, it's pretty rough. A lot of our listeners might not know what myelodysplastic syndrome is. Can you describe it in a nutshell? Uh, My white blood cell count was extremely low. And that particular cancer, it's a type of leukemia, and uh, you don't have good white blood cells, so you're at risk for infection. Right. So talk to us, Holly, you know, kind of what progressed once you were diagnosed with, with uh, uh, your, your form of leukemia, what, what was next? What were, did you start having treatments here? How, how did that progress? The first uh, doctor I went to was my uh, general practitioner, my family doctor, and he sent me to an oncologist in Amarillo. And he did the uh, first bone marrow biopsy. And when it came back that I had MDS, he told me that he would like for me to have a second opinion. And we said, well, we would like to go to MD Anderson. And he said, that is perfect. And so 
that's where we went. We went down to Houston and the luck of the draw, I got the number one MDS doctor in the world. And for four years, we, uh, he tried different types of chemo just to make sure, you know, we, we have to try everything first before we have the bone marrow transplant. And so uh, I did several chemos. And uh, when they did not work, uh, he said, it's probably time. It's a, it's a big, it's really hard for the doctor to know because at my age, most people that have MDS are a little bit older than I was. And so uh, you have to pick the right time. You, you can't do it too early in case you have some really bad side effects, but you don't want to wait too late until you're, you're too old to really go through it. And so I really feel like he picked the exact right moment for me to have my transplant. You know, when you talk about a bone marrow biopsy, that sounds like something that's really scary. Did they do it there in the office or is it a hospital procedure or what did you choose? Uh, it is done in the office, but you usually have a little help with some, uh, I don't know, Valium, whatever. <laughs> they try to tranquilize you a little bit, but I had difficulty. I don't know if it's my pain threshold. And at MD Anderson, they were able to uh, put me to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was great because I've had, I don't know how many. I've quit counting. 20 or I don't know, lots of them. Wow. So uh, it was just better for me. Yeah. Holly, when you were going through your treatments and you were saying that, you know, you tried this chemo and then tried that chemo and tried this chemo and so forth and so forth, kind of the trial and error. Did you, did you ever kind of think in the back of your mind, you you kind of knew where you were headed, you were going to have to have a a transplant? I really did have that foreboding feeling. I really did. did. I thought, okay, you know, after the first one doesn't work, well, the second one doesn't work. Yeah. And, and you know what, that's a, a process you go through that kind of prepares you, kind of keeps you going along the right path and having hope that, you know, something down the road is going to help you. And you were saying that most people with MDS are diagnosed later in life. You said you were young. So did you have young children at home? I know you said you had a grandson, but. Um... No, that was that was when I was diagnosed was 14 years ago. So yeah. uh-huh. I was about 51. It's a lot to take in at that age or any age. Yes. So you went down to MD Anderson and you went through chemo. At what point then did they say, okay, you have to have a bone marrow transplant? Well, uh, I, I went for my checkups and had the, uh, the bone marrow biopsies and, um, I became transfusion dependent. And so I had to have blood like every week. And that's really not a good way of life. And so I knew, you know, I knew I was just going downhill. It wasn't going to get any better. I was having to have the nupogen shots to boost my white blood cells. And uh, Dr. You know, at that point, he said, it is time for the transplant. This is perfect time. So they say it's it's time. And did you have people go, okay, I'll do, I'll be your uh, 
donor or did you have a drive? How did that process work? The first thing they do, well, with each sibling you have, if you have the same mother and the same daddy, each sibling you have is a 25% chance. And I have three. So they were real excited. 75% chance I'll have a perfect, that's the most perfect match. And uh, that did not work out. And so they had to go to the registry. The registry. Yeah. So yes, the bone marrow registry. Yeah, let's talk about that, Holly, uh, for our listeners that are that are listening that may not have any idea about uh, the bone marrow registry and what that looks like. Um, can you share some insight on that? Yes. Um, most people think it's bone marrow, but it's actually stem cell now, but they still call it the bone marrow registry. And uh, a lot of people are in there. And uh, there are a lot of people that black community and the Hispanic community need more people in there. But I was very lucky because uh, three matches came up and they then do more blood work on those. And uh, one of them was a perfect match. And so they had to contact him and find out if he was willing. The way he got into the registry was his football coach, he played football at the University of Pennsylvania, and his football coach friend was the football coach at another college. And he has his own nonprofit that he is it's called Get in the Game. He's trying to get all college athletes into the registry. And so that's the guy that had the, the donor drive when Robert was in, in football. And so he did it. He did the cheek swab. And a year later, they contacted him. Wow. I'm thinking at 19, I don't think I would have um, been so selfless um, to go. And, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go get my cheek swab. Hope Emma, I, can I, I can promise you that was not on my radar at 19. <laughs> well, I really think the way it was, was, you know, maybe it's at a practice and they're all there. <laughs> Yeah. And so they all just do it, you know? Right. So, uh, well, and yeah. for our listeners that are going, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? So um, we have um, held a handful, a small handful of these drives previously at the Cancer Survivorship Center. And um, there's there's a number of different organizations of marrow uh, registries. But the one that we went with, which I, I know, Holly, is the one that, that yours came through is called Be The Match. And, yeah. um, you know, the, it's a simple cheek swab. Um, to to send off your uh, sample, and um, they do just as as Holly said, they do a ton of um, chemistry work on it to make sure that this is okay, and you answer all these questions, and that um, that you're a, a a good donor match. Um, and so then it goes into this registry, which I know I'm in the registry. I think Pam, you you did it as well. Um, I think and, we're getting to the age where we're fixing to get kicked out of the That's restaurant. right. That's right. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You're saying we're old, but you are. I'm old. I won't say that about you. But, um, you know, to the point where they say, okay, you're in the registry, and then you just wait, and one day you get a phone call, which is what Holly's donor did. He probably did it. You're right. At practice, all everybody else is doing it. I might as well. And then gets the phone call that says, oh, by the way, you did this in, you know, four years ago or two years ago. And we now have a match for you. And then they ask them, will you donate? 
you know, and that's the next step. And uh, thankfully, in Holly's case, uh, her donor, who who you just mentioned, his name is Robert, uh, said, yes, absolutely, I'll donate. Yes. And, you know, when you're when you're waiting, that's just the most wonderful news. You also know that uh, you might not ever get to know this person because it's up to the donor after 12 months whether or not to communicate. So for 12 months, I didn't know who he was. The only thing they told me on the night before my transplant was that it, it was a male and that he lived in the United States. That's all they'd say. What, what was going through your mind? When, when they t- and that's all they would tell you, but you knew tomorrow I'm getting this person's stem cells. I was thinking this, there's a person out there that's my lifesaver. Yeah. <laughs> and I really hope I get to meet him. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Wow. And so they work on the cells. Someone comes with in the cooler on a plane. And I work on the cells all night long and get them ready. And I got it about noon the next day. So now did Robert have to have a bone marrow biopsy also? No, all he, he had the, you know, the preliminary blood work. Mm-hmm. And then after he was chosen, he had to get Nupogen shots for a day or two or three. I don't know how long, but only for a couple of days to... It's not as bad on the donor as it is the recipient. No, he just had to get a couple of shots. And what the Nupogen does is force all of the stem cells out of the bone marrow into the peripheral blood. Mm-hmm. And so when once they and they do blood test, and then when they see that there's enough in there to collect, then that's when they do. It's called apheresis. And it's somewhat similar to giving plasma. They take it out of one arm and spin it out, spin out the stem cells, and then put the rest of the blood back in until they have enough. It, it just looked like a small bag of dark red blood. So the night before your bone marrow or your bone marrow transplant, you were Holly Easley, female, and um, <laughs> Once you got Robert's stem cells, what happened? Oh, what do you mean? Like, are you still Holly Easley female? Oh, yes. Or you, are you Holly Easley, you come up as male? Oh, yes. Well, Robert and I had the same blood type. So my blood type did not change. But if you did test my blood today, I would be a male. <laughs> that's just crazy to think Pam, Pam thus thus the great novel right <laughs> that's thus right. Great novel. another but, twist in her story and 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 speaking <laughs> speaking of novels you you practically wrote one while you were uh throughout your whole trans your whole transplant journey you blogged yes I did I decided I'm sorry now tell us about your blog Okay, well, I decided that the easiest way to keep in touch with everyone, instead of having my husband have to just be on the phone all day long, uh, was for me to blog. And everybody could look at it and see exactly what was happening. And it was just a means of getting information out to people. Which later, it became an information source for those about to go through. And yeah. so I'm really glad that I did blog because I 
I've met some really nice people through it that, you know, were about to go through the same thing I went through. Did you find uh, blogging very therapeutic for you? Yes. Yes. Do you it was a way to express my feelings without having to say the words. I could just sit down and type and, you know, yes, it was very therapeutic. Do you ever go back and read it? It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. But uh, to, to read the about the most more difficult things I went through, but it also makes me very happy that I'm where I am today and very thankful, very thankful that I am where I am today and that I went through that storm and came out good. Well, I know Ryan went back and read some of yours. And yeah, I did. I, I did. I think you could foresee maybe the future as we are today. And yeah. Ryan, you want to share those little... I, I will. I will, Pam. I want to go back to one thing really fast, though. Um, I know maybe some of our listeners have attended some of our uh, journaling, and which is another form of blogging, just because it's not maybe something that you put out for the world to read. But journaling is the virtually the same thing as blogging. And I know, Pam, we've had two or three different journaling classes at the center. And I think that's important to kind of highlight is maybe maybe you don't want to do what Holly did, which I think is very noble, is putting, your, I mean, as you said, I read and it's long, numerous, numerous posts for, for several years, um, Holly uh, blogged, and it's out there today to be read by anyone. Um, and maybe that's not your style, but maybe more so the journaling style, um, you know, helps and to be therapeutic. Um, we would definitely encourage that. I know, Pam, we, it's been a great class at the center. I know. Um, and it's something that, you know, maybe you're not comfortable doing, but once you start writing your feelings, um, you can release those. And then whenever you're done um, with treatment, you can go back and look at your journey and see how far you've come, all the hardships, and um, know that how strong you truly are. Right. And I did, I did some journaling mm -hmm. also, in addition to the blogging. It was in a, just a little book I had, and I put the more personal things in there that I didn't wish to share. And, you know, that's really good for me to go look back on, too. Sure. And, you know, I know Pam has has um, suggested and I've suggested to um, people that I've been contacted by who are recently diagnosed and going through treatment and, you know, um, the blog or, you know, the Caring Bridge or those types of things are great avenues to put it out there once and not have to repeat those uh, maybe uncomfortable situations or test results and things like that over and over, much as you said, it would kept uh, your husband Wade from being on the phone all day. Um, exactly. I think it's brilliant. I think it is brilliant. So I did, Holly, um, if you'll bear with me and our listeners will bear with me, I did go back and I, um, in preparation, I, I just reread a bunch of different things. And it's, it's so cool because even though some of these, you know, you wrote in, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years ago, it's incredibly um, adaptable or incredibly important to still utilize some of these things today. And um, I, I just pulled out a couple of things that you wrote. And the first thing is um, that I think is, is, is so powerful. And I know I felt this way when I went through my ordeal, when I was told I had lymphoma and then thankfully after a biopsy, it wasn't, but there was that period of time that was about a month thinking I have lymphoma. We got to figure this out. 
Um, you wrote, I have a new ability to see people and things differently. My priorities have changed. And I think a lot of our survivors feel that way once they're kind of over that hurdle and moving into uh, end of treatment or uh, in, into remission. Do you still feel that way? Yes. Uh, the whole journey of going through cancer, it just changes your whole perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, I think we're all, for the most part, uh, live each day to the fullest, better than we did before. We don't take people, we don't take advantage of people or, uh, yes, it does change your perspective. You're happy to be here. Yeah. Oh. Every day, you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An- another one that you wrote that I think is important for our listeners to take away from, too, is uh, you you said never give up on hope. That's right. Uh, along those lines in my blog, I said you just keep putting one foot in front of the other with yeah. hope that you're going to get well. And uh, my Italian friend, Rosanna, she told me, Holly, whatever you do, you have to think that you're going to get well because she truly believes that your body follows your mind. And, you know, that's just positivity being a good thing. And so uh, I always tried to have, find some kind of positive thought Yeah. when it was rough. Absolutely. I, I have one more uh, part from your blog, but I want to save that for just a bit. I, I want you to come now back to uh, after you're finished with your stem cell treatment or your stem cell transplant and um, a year goes by and you're finally able to meet your donor. Do you mind sharing about uh, that? <laughs> yes. On that year. Uh, well, MT Anderson called me and said, are you willing to meet, you know, the year's coming up. So if we hear from your donor, do you want to communicate? And I said, of course. And so on the very day of a year, <laughs> the very day, he emailed me and he had, he, as soon as they had told him who I was, he had found my blog and read the entire story and he was just completely blown away. And I was totally blown away by his story. So my husband and I immediately made plans to, to fly to Pennsylvania. And when we got there, it was the whole family, Kathy and Bob, his parents, his brother, David, and his sister, Katie, and they all wanted to meet me and Wade. And we had dinner and we hung out for the whole weekend. And we went to a baseball game. We saw the Phillies. We went to the iconic, uh, oh, the sandwich with roast beef and cheese. Uh, I can't think what it's called. Feast day. <laughs> and we, uh, we just did all of these fun things. We would sit, saw the historical things, the Liberty Bell, all of those wonderful things. We hung out with them. And the whole weekend, Robert's mom said, oh, my gosh, Holly, that sounds exactly like Robert. Oh, my God, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Robert are so much alike. It's freaking me out. You know, I'm like, oh, I mean, we are. We are so incredibly alike, although we're so different. Our age difference, male, female, our uh, geographical distances, you know, we are so different, but we are so much alike. 
in a, a lot of different ways. And so we have developed a, well, we all agreed that we had some kind of a weird familial connection that was difficult to explain. And it's still that way to that to this day, and it just keeps getting better and better. We went to Robert and Teresa's wedding. We've taken trips with them. They have come to Hartford, and uh, we went to his brother David's wedding in New Orleans, and uh, we've met their little Ryan, who's adorable. They're about to have another baby, Robert and Teresa are, <laughs> and we're just really close. Wow. Almost we're like real close. an extended family. I mean, it is. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay, so I have to tell you something interesting. I had COVID last month, and Robert had it the month before on Thanksgiving. And because we always talk on holidays and everything, and so he had COVID. And so whenever he found out I had it last month, he said, Holly, since we share the same immune system, I want to know what your symptoms were. And that just kind of blew me away. <laughs> since we, that phrase, since we share the mm -hmm. same immune And so we did have a lot of similarities. And I, I really have always thought if I got COVID, I probably wouldn't come out too good because of my immune system. But you know what? I've decided I have a strong one because of Robert. And we both had, he had, uh, this is odd, but he had a couple more uh, symptoms than I had. But anyway, uh, yeah, we share the same immune system. And we, we had similar, you know, there's so many symptoms on COVID. It was just pretty interesting. He said, well, it might be a fun study to do on uh, recipients and donors with the COVID. Wow. I thought that was an interesting. <laughs> so when you met Robert, he was what, 20? 19. Oh, no. yes. He was 20. He was 19. Yes. When he. Uh, donated. I'm, still, I'm just thinking back, like when I was 20, I don't know if I could have fathomed meeting somebody I saved their life. And what his parents must have thought that day. You know what? Uh they really are a great family. And I really think they knew that uh, it, it was meant to be. It was a meant to be thing. But, and uh, Robert was never very scared of anything. And the only side effect he had from donating was just a headache from the Nupogen shots. Mm -hmm. They kind of make you have flu-like symptoms. But, yeah, uh, I think he considered it an honor. Mm -hmm. It was that kind of a thing. That's the kind of person he is. Oh, my. To be a, you know, to help someone out. Yeah. Of course he was going to do it. In in your wildest dreams, did you ever think it would be a 19-year-old male that gave you life-saving stem cell? No. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I know I keep, I, we, Pam and I keep going back to that, but it's, it's so, I mean, I mean, if I'm thinking if I'm at, at your, at your age, you were 51, you're probably thinking it's someone remotely around your age bracket or around your, uh, um, era, if you will. I mean, never a 19 year old. Oh, 
oh, I know. And I, when I found out he was 19 and a football player, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll get some of that energy or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Athleticism. <laughs> oh my gosh that is too funny that is too funny well so you guys have really developed a relationship and uh that is that is so fantastic i know that um as, as i said kind of half jokingly you know it's extended family and, and i would say that that is probably exactly what it is is um your lifesaver yes he's my lifesaver yeah always and, and, you still, and I feel like he did it again when I had COVID because I had his immune system. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> and you said you guys talk every holiday. Um, yes. And in between, okay. you know, yeah. we keep in touch. Yes, we do. Wow. Sometimes we have time. Yeah. I talk with his mom. Yes. Well, that's so cool. That's so neat. Well, I, I want you to tell one more twist. Um, because I know, and I know this story because you shared it with me when we talked about getting um, together for our podcast. And, um, as we promised our listeners up front, um, you know, the great suspense and mystery and humor and lots of twists and turns in this book. Um, tell us about, uh, when you and Wade did, um, one of the ancestry, uh, cheek swab deals. Okay. Well, uh, it was a couple of years ago, and it, it was a Black Friday deal on Ancestry. And so I said, Wade, do you want to try that? And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I ordered the kits, and we both do our swabs and send them in. And about two weeks later, he, he gets his results. And uh, I never hear from him. And I'm like, well, I wonder if they had a problem. Maybe, uh, well, I decided it was because when you fill out the paperwork or the form online you put your sex and everything and I put female well I'm sure when they did my test it came back as male and so maybe they thought they made a mistake or whatever so finally I got uh, an email that says we're going to send you another test we had inconclusive results and so I said okay so I got the test sent it back and when it came back and I got online to see my results. It was everything, Robert. There was nothing of me. And that was the biggest eye-opening thing I've had during my whole journey was how truly all of my DNA was totally wiped out. I have none left. And it, it was just an eye-opener. And I could get on there and see all of Robert's traits. They have traits and different things you can look at. And they're so similar to mine. And where our ancestors came from was very similar. And uh, so a few years later, or a year later, we go to New Orleans to uh, Robert's brother David's wedding. And we're sitting at a table in the hotel lobby and up comes this girl, and she comes and hugs me. Holly, Holly, my first cousin. It's so nice to meet you. Well, she was the best match I made on Ancestry. But that was her. It said, she's definitely your first cousin. So now every time I get results, oh, you have a new relative on Ancestry, I just automatically forward them over to Robert. To Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that that was an eye-opening experience for me. I thought there was 
something left, but no. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing Yeah. That's crazy to think that you don't have relatives out there, that you really do have relatives. Yes. They're all Robert's relatives. Wow. Yeah. Kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. (laughs) So mind-boggling. You know, um, science is a really neat thing. <laughs> and in this case, it's, it's so mind blowing and just can't, you know, it's hard to fathom that. And that's, that's right. Wow. Well, yeah. I tell you, uh, I, I said earlier, we want to talk about a, a quick bit about, um, how you can sign up to be a part of, uh, this bone marrow registry. And, uh, you know, it's real simple. You, you can go to be the match.org and request a kit um, you know, being a cancer survivor who might be listening to this, of course, uh, you're probably going to be disqualified. Uh, however, um, your spouse, your loved ones, your caregivers, um, can request a kit. They ideally look for the age range. And as Pam mentioned, we're kind of out of that age range is 18 to 44. Um, you know, that it's kind of, um, it's hard to say, well, now you're out of that age range. They don't want your, your bone marrow. But the reason for that is, is that they found that the 18 to 44 year olds have uh, the best chance at uptake from the, from the uh, person that they're giving those to. Right, Holly? Yes, that's correct. So, you know, if you're, if you're over 44, you can still do it, but there's a kind of another catch to it, but you can go online and check all that out. But gosh, you know, we can't encourage enough people. And I know Holly um, has done a couple of different drives there in Hereford. Um, get on the registry. It is a simple cheek swab. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you have the opportunity to be like Robert did and give your uh, stem cells to someone that definitely needs that life-saving treatment. Uh, Along the same lines, I would like to remind people that if you signed up several years ago, you need to go online and update your information because if you changed emails or address or whatever, uh, you need to keep your information updated. And also I would like to say uh, to people to also, if you can, Give blood because cancer patients, they just go through a lot of blood products. Right. And so uh, that's another good thing to donate. Absolutely. You know, so that leads us to, um, I told you I'd come back to one last little bit here of uh, what I, I took from your blog. Um, and there was a lot, there was a, a whole lot. And um, if, if anyone else wants to, you know, it, it's very easy to Google and find. Um, it's it's a very very telling story, and and you were you were very open and and, and honest, and and so this I I pulled out from May of 2012. So you wrote this now eight and a half years ago, and um, I started reading through this, and it's so powerful, um, and it's very very. Uh, attached to today's climate. And so um, I just want to read this, if that's okay with you, Holly. I think it's very good for our our listeners. It's good for me. It's good for everybody to, to, to take these things from heart because you can tell you're being very real here. And it says, time does heal a lot of wounds. This made me start thinking about some random stuff. And then you start, you kind of list a bunch of things. Do you remember this? Yes. 
sort of. <laughs> it was eight Sorry. and a half years ago. So you said reflect and pay attention. Laugh. You know, we've done a uh, one of the uh, best classes I can remember at the Survivorship Center was right after we first started and we first opened our doors and we did a class on laughter. And I'll be really honest with you. I was a little hesitant at first because I'm like, uh, it's laughter. We all know how to laugh. My side and my cheeks hurt from laughing so hard in the various ways they taught us to laugh. Remember that, Pam? I remember you feeling very uncomfortable because we were riding that roller coaster and we had to yes. laugh riding we <laughs> we were. On our fake roller coaster. And, and that roller coaster made so many turns left and right and up and down. And it was crazy. But um, but laugh. We our survivors, we and, and, and caregivers, we need to laugh. Um, you said write a letter. That's kind of a lost art these days. Um, write a letter, maybe substitute, write an email to someone. Handwritten word is pretty powerful. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, embrace diversity. And uh, that's definitely uh, important today. And then one of my favorite ones you wrote was be kind. I mean, it is as simple as can be down to uh, bare bones. Be kind. You wrote be for real. Listen to music. Um, you know, we had, we've done music therapy at the Survivorship Center. It's important to uh, kind of take a step back and relax and be in that meditative zone, if you will, in, in music. Um, music heals. I'm sorry? I said music heals. It really does. Yes. It's happy, yeah. Yes. Create traditions. I would imagine that most survivors have had to adjust traditions along the way. Um, and create new ones like you have, um, you know, on, on your anniversary of the, your stem cell transplant and speaking with, with Robert. Uh, one of my other favorites is you said, don't honk. And then you put, unless you love Jesus, which. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I've forgotten about that one. <laughs> yeah. Cook. Now that might be hard for someone like me, but cook. You put sit down to eat read widely, go to the library, smile at strangers, judge not, vote, which is very important. Um, our dietitian would agree with you on this next one. You said eat more veggies. Are you, are you still eating your veggies? You know, I'm trying, but uh, chemo just pretty much made me dislike veggies. So I'm trying real hard. I eat a little bit, yes. Still I do. To this, still a to few this. of them I love, and so I make up for it. But anyway, still to this day dealing with nasty chemo. Yes, yes. I have. Uh, I'm, I have brain issues. I have brain fog sometimes, and uh, the way it affects my taste and everything. But basically, I'm I'm in really good health. You, and we're thankful for that. It, uh, you, wrote yes. wear sun, you, you wrote wear sunscreen, which mm -hmm. one thing that you didn't touch on was that uh, you went on and had a melanoma scare as well. So um, we definitely want everyone to wear sunscreen. Yes. Outdoors. Uh, you wrote uh, give a damn. And I think that's, you know, that's very powerful. Uh, very powerful three words. That's right. Can't quit caring. No. No, whether you're a caregiver or a survivor, 
That's right. A loved one of a survivor. Um, pay it forward, which I know you guys have. You, you've done lots of ways of paying it forward. Um, listen, which is really powerful. Um, a lot of times, what Pam and I talk about all the time, sometimes people don't, they don't want you to say a word. They just want you to listen. And um, That's true. I, I just feel like if I don't know what to say, I can sit here and I can listen. And I, I can promise you I can listen with the best of you. I think silence is so powerful, too. Yes. You wrote the next one, which is really uh, near and dear to my heart. Ride a bike. And I think a lot of people (laughs) obviously know where 24 hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center comes from. So that's right. (laughs) You know, I I was really excited when I saw you write that down because um, I'm a huge fan naturally of riding a bicycle um, and just just kind of that that freedom that exists with that. Um, The next one you wrote, which is um, very pertinent to what you went through and the time of things you went through because of wanting to make sure that you were safe and not catching anything, but you said, wash your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We're doing I, a lot of hand washing. Have we heard that lately? <laughs> How many times have we heard that this last year? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, the next to last one, I, po- I apologize for our listeners. These are really good though. Have hope, hope for the best. And then the last one you said is give love. And I think every one of those could be on high on everybody's list. Wouldn't you agree, Pam? Yes. Holly, I really appreciate you sharing your story today. Um, What a powerful story and what a caring heart Robert had. Um, But we want to leave our listeners with a powerful moment. We are sponsored by Pete's Car Smart Kia. And we would like to hear your Pete's powerful moment. Okay, Uh, for people going through the journey, I would just like to uh, tell them to always keep going forward, put one foot in front of the other. If you have to, you fake it till you make it, and you never give up hope, and uh, you're going to make it to the other side, and then you can look back with thankfulness that you made it. That's right. Very true. Very true. You know, and, I, and uh, get out there into the be the match registry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think, Pam, um, I, I'm going to throw a Pete's powerful moment out there for our listeners, because I just as we've hit, touched on several times, I think it's so powerful that at the in the moment, a 19 year old uh, football player um, had his cheek swabbed and selflessly gave his stem cells to somebody he never he had no you know idea that he would meet and uh man what a story it is right something that he should be very proud of oh absolutely uh-huh. yes yeah yes i love robert uh, i just love that guy yeah probably I, I, like another kid of yours right <laughs> well no we're kind of on the same i don't know it's that family thing Some, yeah. somehow we're just we have a connection yeah Absolutely. You know, Pam, there's so many nuggets to take away from today. I know our listeners uh, hopefully enjoyed um, this story. I mean, it's a it's a bestseller, you know, in the making. Um, you, as, as they always say, right, you, you just can't make this up. No, no, you cannot. <laughs> and it goes to show, right, everybody's story is unique. Um, 
your story, if you're a survivor listening, your story is is just as unique as Holly's, as the next person, as the next person. It's it's yours. And, um, you know, I always go back to that quote that uh, Ethan Zahn said when he came and spoke that a bird doesn't sing because uh, it, it has the answers. It sings because it has a song. And uh, Holly, oh, thank you. Holly, thank you for sharing your song with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Those of you listening on uh, to Beyond the Ribbon, we appreciate you guys following along with us. We would really appreciate it if you subscribe to our podcast. Um, you know, give us a rating, hit all the buttons, share it with your friends. Um, you know, it's a, it's 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 great to share this information with with others that are going through maybe a trial in their life and going through uh, a, a cancer. It doesn't have to be MDS or a form of leukemia. Um, you know, going through a trial, there's there's a lot here to take in and, and a lot that, that can be applied uh, to what they're going through. Yes. Brian, how do they get in, in contact with us here at the Survivorship Center? Yeah, if you have any questions about uh, today's episode, if you have questions about Be The Match, if you have questions about our services, uh, give us a call at 806-331-2400, 806-331-2400, or you can shoot us an email at info at the number 24survivorship.org. And also, if you've got, you know, somebody that you think, oh, this would be a great guest on, on your podcast, drop us a line. We're always looking for uh, great stories to tell and uh, great information to share. So don't be afraid to suggest something. Uh, can't always make sure, can't always promise that it'll happen, but we'll do our best. Right, Pam? That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys again for joining with us today. Uh, we look forward to being with you again next week and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.